Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Local Youth Worker, a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Parrott. We're about to listen to a recording from our youth leader training conference in Paradise, Pennsylvania that took place just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, This was a panel discussion uh, with James Forsyth, uh, Katie Van Eprin, Chantel Krieger, Walt Mueller, and myself. Uh, We just threw out some questions to some youth workers in the room and we uh, discussed it. Uh, It was a very helpful conversation. It's helpful just to hear from other youth workers who are spread across the the United States and get their perspective on various things. Um, The audio is kind of hard to hear in certain places, so you might need to turn it up on uh, some of the questions, but uh, the device picked up uh, the audio pretty well. Uh, So we think this will be uh, helpful. Um, we, we're obviously taking a break from our uh, discussion on relationships, but we will start that back up next week with Reverend Joe Novenson. So be sure to tune in then. Hope you guys enjoy this. Well, one thing I like about YLT is just getting to sit and have conversation uh, with you guys. And so that's really what we're hoping to accomplish in this uh, panel. That's kind of Michael's vision for it. Uh, we want you guys to help uh, steer this, just sharing questions you guys have, struggles you're dealing with, um, problems you're facing. Just present them and let's discuss this. We aren't we aren't the experts up here. Um, maybe Walt on that. No. I don't know. No. Um, so let's just quickly introduce ourselves. I'll pray and then we'll we'll throw it out to you, you guys. So, my name is John Parrott. I'm the Director of Resources for RYM. James Forsyth, Pastor at McLean Press. Katie Van Epperen, uh, Director of Youth Ministry at Highview EPC. Chantel Krieger, um, Youth Director at Covenant Presbyterian in Issaquah, Washington. And Walt Mueller uh, from the Center for Parent Youth Understanding, half an hour away. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let me open this up in prayer and then we'll get started. <clears throat> Father, we give you thanks for another day of life. We thank you for your grace that is so uh, steadfast, so constant each and every um, hour of each and every day. Uh, The fact that we are gathered in this room is a testimony to your goodness and grace. You sustained us through the night. You've brought us here. You've allowed us to uh, sing of your goodness this morning. Uh, We have heard... Uh, truth from your word. We have been reminded of your love for us, uh, no matter um, what our circumstances say in our personal lives and um, ministry. Uh, You love us perfectly uh, because of the um, uh, perfection of your son, Jesus. And, And I pray that we would continue to cling to that. I thank you for that message that we heard tonight, last night from from James, and pray that that would continue to resonate in our hearts and minds, and um, we do thank you for this unique opportunity to be able to gather (coughs) together, to be in a room, uh, to uh, share life experience, to share uh, wisdom that you've imparted to us, to share frustration and challenges of uh, doing ministry, living life in a a broken world. Um, So we do thank you for this a uh, great opportunity uh, to be able to partner with each other in ministry, to know we're not alone in ministry, that you are always with us, but you give us brothers and sisters uh, to uh, come alongside us. So I pray that this would be 
a fruitful time uh, that we would sharpen each other and encourage each other um, with this time we have together. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so when you're thinking about things that you're dealing with, things that you're struggling with, challenges in ministry, is there anything that kind of comes to the top of, you know what, I've been wrestling with this back home, and now that I'm here, this would be good to kind of bring up and, and see uh, if anybody else is dealing with the same thing. Uh, so anyone want to start us off, throw something out? I got one. All right. <coughs> So, I just started at my new church in September, um, and I was really blessed to walk into it. Uh, uh, a team we have we have a pretty awesome team of volunteers, um, and they were experiencing. Um, so they were actually running the ministry, you know, in, in a couple of months before I walked in, um, and they were experiencing huge growth, and they were not prepared. Um, and so one of the things that we've been working on is a couple of the volunteers, uh, you know, say the way they put it is they, they come from super um, conservative fundamentalist backgrounds where, um, you know, they, they, they never had relational ministry and they don't understand it. So helping them to, um, to understand what it is to do relational ministry, to have that kind of balance of mentor-friend kind of thing. But also, um, we have had, just with the numbers and everything, and the way all, everything shook out, like we've had some pretty serious behavioral issues, too. Um, and so they, you know, the question always is, like, how far can we go in, um, Um, uh, and how do we still have that kind of relational ministry? So, could you guys talk about that balance? Good thing we started off with a softball there. Um, so, behavioral issues in um, like large group context, small group context. How to how to deal with those? How to? I um, mean, just curious. Can y'all hear in the back as well? Kind of. Yeah. That's okay. Um, what are some thoughts on that? I mean, being gracious, obviously, you know, as youth workers partnering with parents, we've got to be very cautious on behavioral issues, um, you know, how you discipline a student. Um, I, guess, I mean, I don't know if this gets out what you're saying and kind of rambling to maybe buy some time for other people to speak <laughs> up. But um, I know we would, we would always have... <laughs> Um, and, and again, as we answer this, this is not like, hey, this is the way to do it. I mean, kind of like you said in the, the leaders uh, elected beforehand. But we always had a parent orientation when, when students were coming into the ministry. And this was a topic that we would bring up to parents of, um, you know, kind of a three strikes and you're out. And it was, you know, if it was a continued problem and we were to address it in a, you know, large group setting or small group and it continued to just... You know, the students were not listening week after week, and you had a lot of issues. We would say, okay, we're, we send you to your parents' classroom, and, you know, we'll follow up with your parents later. But it was something along those lines of, you know, we've got to draw the line. We're, we're not going to be able to just 
allow students to act however they, they want to act. But, but clearly in that parent orientation, that it's a partnership and we're, we're stressing the caution of overstepping and not trying to, um, you know, handle it in a way that's, you know, too harsh. We want to be gracious, all that kind of stuff. So that's something that comes to mind. I don't know if that gets at anything that you're saying. That's just a little thought to maybe, um, yeah, get on the front end of that before it, you know, creates bigger issues. We had a conversation about this. I had a conversation about this with a couple of folks, Lisa and I did. Uh, I think it was over the weekend at our church at the missions conference, just about discipline and things that have happened in churches. We had something happen over 20 years ago at our place when Lisa was a volunteer. And then, you know, I was thinking back to uh, the last millennium when I was doing youth ministry. Um, and, and I just said, you know, well, I had this one guy who uh, was in ninth grade and he just thought he was really tough all the time and always posturing. And finally on a retreat, we were in the cabin, a bunch of guys, and he was, he was messing around and I grabbed him by his collar and lifted him up and held him against the wall, you know, just jacked him up. And then we, we kind of laughed about that and I said, now that worked for him, but you never do that now. Um, I mean, that's a felony. Um, I think now, but you know, the thing, when I think back on that, um, with that young man, there were a couple things. One is, we did have a relationship and that's where you know, teaching your leaders how to foster relationships because out of relationships you can say difficult things that need to be said and you can also show grace and I think kids respond to that. Um, you know, so I think that's, that's really important. I think as well, uh, like John said with parents, um, you know, to set that up ahead of time and really work to build relationships with parents and let parents know out of the gate, look, we're here to serve you. And if there's something we need to know about your son or your daughter that would help us serve you better and minister to them more effectively, please let us know that. And we promise we'll do the same with you. And so you keep those open lines of communication. But one more thing I'd say that came to mind, and I wish I had known this and done this better when I was younger, especially with that young man. Um, I didn't ask a lot of questions about what was going on in his life outside of youth group. And there's a lot of, I mean, we know we're broken. We understand it. That's why, that's why we do what we do. We want to see uh, redemption come where there's tremendous brokenness. We want to see healing. And what I've, what I've learned over the years in studying culture is with all these issues that are out there, if you make a list, you know, you take a piece of paper for every student you work with, you draw a line down the middle, because you know they're broken, right? So on the one side, you're gonna write everything that's happening in their life that shouldn't be happening as you get to know them. And on the other side, um, everything that's, that's, that's not happening that should be. So the things that shouldn't be happening the things that, uh, that should be happening. And as you start to look at that, there's a tendency towards the students with the longer lists tend to be the ones that are the greatest behavioral problems. And yet we tend to say we don't want them to disrupt the rest of the group, but we don't. Um, but they're the ones that maybe need our care and concern the most. So sometimes, the way I would say it is sometimes the very kid you want to send home from the weekend retreat 
on Saturday morning is the very kid who needs to be there the most. That's true. And, you know, so just showing, showing that grace. Our, our goal is not to have behavioral conformity in our youth group, and that makes a successful youth group. You know, it's to see kids experience heart change, and then that, and then the, the behaviors change out of that. But, I, I, you know, maybe a good thing for your leaders to do would be take them, take them through Ted Tripp's book, um, Shepherding a Child's Heart, uh, that would talk about that as well. But, yeah. And there's a lot. When I know when leaders come out of a fundamentalist background, boy, there's a lot of baggage that needs to be undone just because you, you learn by what you experience. And those are just some thoughts. Yeah, don't do, don't, don't get into any sort of physical. I was not recommending that. I was just saying that used to work, you know, 40 years ago in that particular case. And mom and dad would have appreciated, they would appreciate that, you know. But I even just think to kind of go off of what you said, you know, even just knowing your, the kids well enough to understand how to speak to them. You know, James was talking about knowing the love languages of your, of your leaders, but also knowing the love languages of your kids. You know, and some kids you can be a little bit more rough and tough with them and they respond better to that. You know, other kids you might say something like that and they'll just break down and cry. Um, so just really knowing, you know, your kids and how, you know, they might respond best. I was just, just one more thing, you know, in, in response to that, I was, I was looking here, two stories told last night about, uh, I can't remember her real name or her fake name, <laughs> um, but, you know, I just, Lisa and I were talking last night about that, and then, and then James, the way that that situation was handled in your church with the gal, you know, I was just listening to you two guys lay those stories out, and I just thought how beautiful, um, you know, in the midst of that brokenness, how beautiful grace was shown. And I can't help but think that, you know, 40 years ago in the youth ministry world, those are the kids that you're going, you're out, you know. And, um, yeah, we, we, don't, we, don't, we, don't put, we don't put a good face on the gospel when we, when we respond that way. I just thought that was, I think, you know, think about what you heard last night from those two stories. Those, those were brilliant. There was so much wisdom in those responses. I think simply, too, I mean, just highlighting the fact that this is a hard issue. I mean, it seems like we're stating the obvious, but, I mean, we're in the middle of, you know, it's just youth workers are caught in an awkward position oftentimes between the, the student and, and the parents. And you, and you think as well that, you know, children are some of the biggest idols in our culture, and um, we're bumping up against some of that idolatry at times, and it can come out in a lot of ugly ways so just acknowledging how you know tough it is I think is it's important for us to you know, be aware of anybody else want to about anybody else out there thoughts I, I just something that's helped me but we have a mix of, of kids that come from the church and we have that context with their parents and it's a little bit easier to, to reel in some behavior issues I can talk to mom but I have a lot of kids who I you know we don't see their parents we don't interact with them and they have some behavior issues. Um, we found that being very clear up front about our expectations, I go over the same like three list of rules every week, doesn't matter if they're new kids, old kids, they hear the same thing. Um, in our context, one of them is don't be a chump. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, and, and I always don't really define what that is and because I want them to, when I say stop being a chump, that they stop and think about what they're doing a little bit. 
um, and, and then I'll have a conversation later with them. Um, but even when we go when we go away for retreats, before I get out of the van, I you know I turn the heat off, you know turn the turn the AC off, turn the car off, and we sit there and I look back and, and I have a conversation with them about some of my expectations. And I believe that if I'm upfront and forward and let them know what I expect now, like right there in the beginning, then I, I tend to, I've seen better results later. Um, and then I, once I have that upfrontness, I, I'm able to show grace. Uh, you know, I'm usually not even as hard as I am when I have that initial conversation than when we go through the week. We had, we had children with a lot of language issues, um, and they would cuss at these retreats and stuff, and we got down in the van and we'd talk before we got out. And then if they did slip up, it'd be a time I pull them aside and have a conversation like, hey, that's just not language that we use here. Um, I know that's, you know, that's not the, maybe not the norm for you, but I'm really trying, could you try this weekend to really make an effort? And um, they thank me. They thank me for not beating them over the head or with it. And, and I've seen growth from some of those students. And, and these are middle school students we're talking about. Like, we deal with beginners in some really deep things. But I, I find setting expectations and letting them know from what they are um, has been very helpful for us. That's a really good word. And, I mean, if we're thinking of, you know, discipling these students to be adults, I mean, you're treating them like adults. You're, you're talking to them, addressing them. That's really good. You need to come up with some kind of acronym for CHOMP. <laughs> like, it's good, though. having leaders explain to me the why behind rules. Um, we think about, you know, most of the time the behavioral issues that come up are because it like, it's gonna be harmful to them. You're like, oh, you're gonna bust your face, don't do that. Or like, it's gonna be harmful to someone else and so explaining out of a place of love um, was helpful for me as a high schooler um, and even now in understanding that like, even you can make that, I can't think of the word, but like connection to like God's laws are for our good he loves us like they're not these arbitrary rules because he wants to ruin fun and neither are mm -hmm. our rules at youth group like we want to have fun but we also don't want you to bust your face <laughs> or hurt this other person yeah. Yeah, that's, that's helpful I know just as a parent things can be insane quite often and just not taking the time to s sit down and explain and so you think of our students are in those worlds as well and um, how it can probably same to them adults don't slow down enough to explain so yeah that's really big i think for me when i when we have two issues on the same night of kids kind of running and hiding and we had to go find them because of the different issues that were going on um you know working with the parents but that doesn't always answer because we had one parent that it was somebody who was able to identify yes what my kid did was wrong and so then it was a much more partnership with them of saying okay what led to that action, what can we do to minimize that in the future and different things like that. And then I had another parent that didn't identify that what their kid did was wrong. And then all of a sudden it is trying to also convince the parents because that's gonna be a perpetual problem now because we, don't, we are not part, able to partner with the parent the same way that we were with the other kid. Mm -hmm. But I find that if you're able to come alongside the parent, you know, the parent said, hey, you know, she's got crippling anxiety, um, so loud noises, she, you know, big personalities and the fear of being in front are three things that she will run away from. So great, so when we do our countdown timer and everything's really loud, she can sit outside 
and just communicate. And then I told her, I said, that, I said, I will never call on you for an upfront drink game. You know, when I'm looking for volunteers or whatever, and I choose three kids, I will never choose you. And that has just put her at ease, saying, I'm now safe and comfortable in this environment where I'm not going to have the attention brought on me. But I didn't know that unless until I talked with the parent. So partnering with parents through a lot of these things is very helpful. That's good. Um, I think, too, I mean, and I don't know, like, the particular context of your student, but, like, it's been helpful for us um, on occasion to, like, have conversations that are calling those kids into partnership with you if they're kids that are regularly involved in your ministry and, like, what it looks like to create a culture and an environment that is inviting to new people and even, like, to call them into, like, opportunities for leadership. Like, some of our kids that we had trouble with early on, like, I found that, like, it's helpful for them to just have a task. So, like, some of them lead games, and some of them run the projection in the back because they don't want to be up front. And I don't know. So you may find, like, that, like, finding a place for them um, might be something that is helpful in just classroom management and, you know, sort of managing the room. That's good. Anything else on this? I'll just throw one more thing, and because you mentioned, you know, being a parent, and um, you know, one of the things Lisa and I have, have talked about is with our kids, um, we know they have a sinful bent, right? But as a parent, you know, especially when you're in ministry, you want your kids to behave. Uh, and I've experienced that on both sides because I grew up in a pastor's home. Um, but at the same time, you know, as we uh, guide them. If our task is to guide them into the independence of adulthood and uh, to a vital faith where they desire to live for and glorify God, part of that is, again, go back to behavioral conformity. It's, it's knowing you don't want that to cloud the sin issues. So here's a, here's a dangerous prayer to pray. You know, I know my students are sinners while they're under my care. Uh, Lord, please... Uh, provide opportunities for their sin vents to be exposed. Now you're praying for trouble, right? All right, so their sin vents to be exposed so that we can uh, address it in the context of the relationship that we have with them now. And then you pray as well that they'll get caught, um, you know, so you can address those things. Because that, you know, like, you don't want that to be unaddressed and have those things, you know, well, I, I'm at youth group, I've got to do this, this, and this. But I've got this issue, you know, they're not thinking this about that issue. But then when they're 25, 30, 40 years old, and that thing rears its ugly head when their moms, dads, and spouses, you know, or employees, you know, that's a difficult thing. Yeah, so I'll just throw that out as something to pray. Something to pray. All right. Well, let's jump to another issue because we've fixed that one. So. What are some other thoughts, issues you guys are dealing with? Yeah, Kyle. Uh, I'm curious uh, what you guys, what strategies, what, um, what ideas, what you found to be effective in partnering, ministering to parents. Uh, I find that's, I think, a consistent weak spot in my ministry. And although we say, yes, we're partnering with parents, we're ministering with parents, that feels almost more like a catchphrase sometimes. Uh, we'll have a yearly meeting, but sometimes they will wonder how beneficial are those. Uh, and I struggle with, all right, I'm a young youth pastor. What do I have to, how can I help parents? What do I have to do? So I'm just curious what you guys have experienced with 
what's helped, what strategies you've used, what you've done to be able to help uh, partner with those things. Yeah, that's, that's good because it is, like you said, a catchphrase. When I mean, you're talking about the vision for your church, like every church's vision sounds the same. So typically youth ministry, it's going to have partnering with parents. So what are some thoughts on that? Either up here, there. Um, I uh, have a, lead, a quarterly parent meeting, and there's always a segment of that that I call the state of youth culture. And that's where I go to CPYU, <laughs> and I go and I show them the top ten songs, top ten movies, top ten video games, and all the top tens that they put out. And I challenge them, I said, Do you guys, can you guys name any of the lyrics of these songs? Have you guys seen any of these movies? Do you know what your kids are ingesting and stuff like that? And I, and I try to bring their culture to the parents because the parents are totally blind. At least in our situation. And then you all say, what are the latest trends? Again, I mean, go to CPYU. They have all that stuff up there. What are the top ten apps? Um, what, what are the latest apps for them? And then how are people, how are they using them? You know, this might be the intended use of them, but I've had a huge response of, of bringing youth culture to bear right in front of them in those kinds of meetings um, where, you know, I'm challenging them, be in their youth, be in their culture, know what they're listening to, know what they're watching, and particularly with social media and apps, like what are your kids doing with these phones that you've just given them easy, you know, uh, unfettered access to? And then they're like, oh my gosh, hold on a second, I need to rethink this. And then you all of a sudden you have a great dialogue with those parents. You're like, oh my gosh, I need to know this. My like, I see, you know, Snapchat on my kid's phone. Like, what are they doing with it? And I'm like, let me tell you. And we, so we have a state of youth culture. CPYU is a great access. They're a great uh, resource. And Mike, could you talk a little more, more logistically? You said quarterly, like how long yeah. are the meetings? Um, so right? It might not be quarterly, it's more than three times a year, kind of going into the fall through the winter and then in the new year and then in the summer. So kind of each season of our ministry that we do where I'd say, look, we're going to lay out what you can expect for the next six months, or, you know, five or six months or so. Um, you know, what are the big dates? Programmatically, what are we looking at? What are we trying to accomplish? I, every time I give them the philosophy of ministry, this is why we do what we do. Um, and I'll introduce any new youth, youth leaders that we have, and then there's a big chunk of time where we do a state of youth culture um, time with them. And is this, sorry. Oh, do you get good parent attendance at those meetings? And if so, so I find our, it seems like parent meetings I have, it's like parents who don't need to be there are the ones who show up, and yeah. the parents who knew nothing about these. When it was purely informational, come here about the dates and what to do, they were not interested because they'll just wait for that to be posted on the website. But when you come at it as, let's talk about your kids and their culture and how I can come alongside you through this, and that's why I think they like the state of youth culture the most, because that is them being fed and them being challenged and them given resources to then do what they're supposed to be doing in parenting. Um, so that's definitely the huge draw. So there was a bit of a paradigm shift of what's the purpose of this parent meeting. Is it purely to relay information as far as programmatic dates and stuff like that and events, or is it also to partner with them? And changing that, that paradigm did help. So uh, to give a little bit of a flip side to that, because I do it a little differently, is I also was getting no, I tried to do that, and my parents were like, I don't want another thing on my calendar for an hour. Thanks very much. Um, so my parent meetings have turned into, I promise I'm not going to take longer than 10 or 15 minutes. Come after service, I'm going to give you some information. I do it before every semester. Um, but what I do, and this takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, but every two weeks I have a schedule and I call and I talk to six parents on the phone every two weeks. And where 
I just I don't call to say, hey, this is what's, what's happening in youth ministry. I say, how can I pray for you and your family? And I have had some amazing conversations with parents that I never would have thought would have opened up in any way, um, who told me about how what's going on with their kids, why their kids aren't coming to youth group, or why their kids love coming to youth group, or why they're forcing their kids to come to youth group. And um, then they, at, and then that opens them up to asking me questions and gives them an opportunity. And also, uh, one of the things I always reiterate to my, my the parents in my youth group is, uh, and I said this, and I got this from Walt Mueller, a talk from Walt Mueller once I heard of him of like, uh, I believe it was you that said it, just this idea that don't let parents uh, negate your expertise in youth culture. Um, you may not be an expert on their child or parenting, but you you do know youth culture, and a lot of times a lot better than they do. And so I, I make self-deprecating jokes about how I can't give them parenting advice. I can make, I can give them cat rating advice. I have two cats that are great, and I'm doing a really good job with them, but I can't give you kid advice. But I can give you youth culture background and advice. Because I know youth culture, I've studied it, and I've read about it for years. So. Um, Letting them know exactly what you're trying to do, so that way you're not coming across like, "Hey, I know, I know how to parent," because that's the first thing it comes. You don't want to come across that way, like you said. And so, um, depending on the schedule of your parents, if they, like my parents, refuse to come to an hour-long meeting, I will not get them there. Even if I could bring in uh, the best speaker in the world, and they would be like, "Sorry, <laughs> I'm not coming." Um, so. Calling them and having the schedule, I lay out every parent so that way I don't skip the parents I don't want to talk to, um, because there are some of those. Uh, and if they don't answer, I leave a message. They'll call back. Some of them won't, but uh, there's this relationship, and it's more of this individual relationship. I don't know how big a youth group is, but just another flip side of the, another idea. And I think it's also good, just kind of in everything you were saying to. Point two, like uh, the expert thing, I, I think is very, um, yeah, it's very good to bring up because it, it can come across to parents of, I'm going to tell you how to parent your your children, and the Lord has humbled me at how easy I thought parenting was. Um, and I think quoting you, I, I used to be the best parent, and then I had children. I think that was a quote you said. A lot of people um, said that. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when you can point to you know a CPYU. Um, website or article or bring a speaker in where you're saying, okay, you know, listen to this person um, instead of me. I think that's, that's helpful. And also considering uh, the schedules, and it was a point that you made in your talk just then of, um, like, as far as maybe logistically, I would try to do meetings when I knew most people were already going to be up at the church and there's child care <coughs> available. And so, because um, I know I made that mistake one time of just having something, you know, for... Uh, the parents and the youth were taken care of in the other room, and then I didn't think about, oh, yeah, they've got siblings that are younger, and there was nothing else that night. And so, <clears throat> anyway, that's just important because child care is huge, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, I think as well just a, a gentleness toward challenging parents. Mm -hmm. I think we forget. You know what, Walt, you were saying about you can write a list about each kid, what they should have received and didn't, what they received and shouldn't have can write that about their parents too and that uh, often when you're bumping up against like it's challenging when you're bumping up against their the idolatries of your area so mm -hmm. education is a big one for us and parents are just completely lack all perspective over 
what's going to actually set their kids up for a healthy life and foster idolatries in their children that they're blind to in terms of working in school and things. But it's just sort of gentleness to remember that, yeah, you know, often idols are, come from a place of woundedness, right? So it's not that they have like some evil desire for their children, right? <laughs> they, they genuinely love their kids and their idols have, are coming out of their own woundedness. And so just to, again, kind of like what we said about um, difficult people are like, they don't get in the way of your ministry, they are your ministry. That, that be gentle with them. Um, and don't just see them as barriers to what you're trying to do with their kids, but as people to love. And I think part of the way we can do that is, you know, we tend to focus so much on the relationships with the kids um, that we don't often put in the time to also build relationships with those parents. Um, you know, making the phone calls, sending the emails, sitting at the, the basketball games or the events or whatever. Um, I know sometimes that's not possible if you have, you know, 100 kids in your ministry, but being intentional about building those relationships also with the parents um, so that when you need to speak some truth into their life, you need to gently challenge them. Um, you know, you're providing resources. You have a little bit of credibility with them. Um, you're not just coming at it from a, oh, well, this is my job and I know more than you. Um, because I also, I don't have kids. So for me to say this is how you should parent your child, like, that's a slap in the face to them. Um, but, like, one of the things I've tried to do that I think is, I hope has been helpful, um, and I think, John, you said this in your class that you taught in January, um, like, intentionally putting things out there, like, that challenge your parents to, like, think about how they're raising their children. Um, you know, I've tried to, like, put out resources. I send out the CPYU parent newsletter every month. And I'm like, hey, look at this. This is what your kids are doing. Um, you know, I try to post, you know, if there's a, an article that I see come out um, or a book that I've just read that I think could be helpful, you know, and maybe put a little quote on there that I think might hit home with some of those parents. Um, I just posted one, your, your timeout book. Um, I posted that with a little blurb. We have a huge issue with sports being an idol in our community. And immediately one of the parents who struggles with that issue was like thank you so much for posting this I just bought the book and I'm gonna read it now what will come of that I don't know but sometimes just planting those seeds of like I'm not trying to tell you how to do your job but I'm trying to challenge you and come alongside you to help equip you to do your job yeah, I think something that oftentimes we forget about is that as quote-unquote professional Christians we're always telling parents we're not the primary disciplers of your children you are but they have no idea what that means absolutely you know as church leaders we're setting them up for failure by placing unrealistic expectations so partnering with the rest of your church right the youth ministry ought not to be segregated it ought to be a family ministry endeavor so having those conversations with everybody on staff and with your elder board whatever your church leadership structure is of well we say that we do this, but when the rubber meets the road, how do we actually go about executing it? Uh, I think to combine something that you guys said, and this has only been in the last six months for me, um, is I've realized how awesome my youth leaders are um, at connecting with kids. And I get <coughs> their kids, I get parents' kids for very little time every week. And that the main discipler of their life is the parents. And so I've shifted my schedule at six calls a week every two weeks, a lot of my time now is I care more about, a lot in a lot of ways, me feeding into the parents. I let my, I equip my youth leaders to feed in and they call kids. 
I, when we have our monthly team meeting, I check in and say, everyone tell me every kid you connected with, and they go around. My list is the shortest one because, uh, again, like, I'll connect with the kids and I have a great relationship with a lot of them, but I really focus on the parents because they're going to make a bigger impact than I will in most of the cases. There's obviously exceptions. I have a kid that doesn't have a dad in the industry, and so um, I spend special care on him in, the, in that kind of way because I don't have a dad to call. But other kids I do have parents to call and I, I try to focus just solely I really try to focus because I want that parent to know what that means that weird phrase of you're the main disciple well okay well here let me how can I pray for you and how, how can I help you do that oh okay well this is where I struggle I don't even know what it means to have family worship oh well here here's a couple of things that maybe you could try here's a resource about that and uh, but if I'm solely focused on the kid that feeds me the idea that I think I'm the main disciple and then the parents like well Brady's got it and along the lines of the primary disciple thing, too, because I know some of this, you know, if we don't have a lot of staff, we're not going to be able to invest the time to, you know, uh, individually, you know, meet with all the parents or call or whatever. But um, we would make statements of, you know, you're the primary discipler, and we would um, give them an outline of the talk that we were teaching on Wednesday night, uh, the content, whatever, ahead of time and say, you know, we, we want you all to use this in the home, to have conversation throughout the week. And so it wasn't just we're getting all the theological training from the quote-unquote professionals at the church and we're not doing that. And so we're actually giving them a tool um, where they can use that in the home and, and throughout the week. So it might take a little more time sometimes, but um, it held me accountable to actually, like, do my lesson <laughs> um, sometimes. So uh, that can just be an easy thing to you know, send out. Yeah. Yeah, so I have a couple ideas. First, I'm going to say, Brady, we have another cat for you, so see me afterwards. <laughs> um, Lisa lit up when you said that back there. We've got 10 years trying to find a home for our daughter's cat. So. Um, yeah, so, uh, and Kyle, I would love to talk to you more about that, but I, I really think, you know, like, so this sounds like shameless self-promotion, but our ministry at CPYU grew out of that experience and really working hard to do what everyone is saying you know you're doing so the kinds of things we're producing which by and large are all free um are there to, yeah i often say to, to youth workers to make you look like a hero to parents because every week you can literally hand something on to them or now with digital uh media you can every day push something to them like that little one minute podcast we do every day you know, today's one minute on kids and sexting and, you know, how that undermines their flourishing or God's desire for their sexual flourishing, you know. So just making them aware, like you're saying, is huge. Um, another thing I'd recommend, and, and I, you know, I haven't talked to anybody who's really done this recently, but part of what stirred us was back in the uh, last millennium in the 80s when I was in that in the last church before we started this um, we did what at the time was being called family-based youth ministry mm -hmm. and so we had about I would say 60 to 70 percent of our kids who came to our youth groups were not from our church we had a large portion of students who came uh, from the Catholic uh, parish where we were uh, we had kids coming from churches where they didn't have youth groups. We had a lot of unchurched kids. And so we saw that as an opportunity to reach out to those parents. So one thing we did was sometimes it was every month, sometimes it was every quarter, 
we would actually just take whatever we were doing with a youth group, whether it be a youth group meeting or an activity or something, and we'd say, this is for everybody. And so parents would come. And what we saw happen from that was it, it became, it went viral in the sense that, you know, if you've got a young person whose parents are kind of detached or not involved, they would want their parents to be there. They would convince their mom and dad to come. And we actually saw people come to faith, um, you know, through that. It was, pretty, it was pretty neat to watch what was happening uh, just by doing that. But uh, so I think that's big. The other thing is, you know, the whole, I mean, I am still really hesitant, even as a grandfather, to talk about quote-unquote parenting. Because I don't think there are any parenting experts out there. We're all fellow strugglers. And, but what I, would, what I would recommend is you can be the catalyst to, um, A, and you said this, communicate, or someone did, communicate to the entire staff. This is an issue in the culture. This is an issue in the church. You know, just kind of this lack of knowledge, uh, the idolatry issues. Let's preach it from the front. Let's, let's address this from birth to grave, uh, you know, our children's ministry people, our senior ministry people, whoever, and let's just build this momentum here where we're addressing this, we create a culture of this. But with the parent, like parent education, you can be the catalyst to get someone to use a good resource to start a small group or a Sunday morning, you know, class that meets for 12 weeks, you know, if you do it that way. We're Presbyterians, so we do. Um, and, you know, a, a Paul Tripp book, his parenting book. I mean, there are a variety of things that could be really helpful. So, and then, um, you know, what James said there about idolatry, uh, we, I'll just throw this out again. We did a podcast a few weeks ago with uh, Leonard Sachs. I don't know if anyone listened to this, but uh, he wrote a book called The Collapse of Parenting. And he's a physician just um, east of here. And um, I didn't realize he was a believer when we were interviewing him. I didn't know that till afterwards. And we chatted, we just thought he wrote a great book and he was a Jewish guy. And um, you know, he starts quoting scripture and I was like, this is awesome. But he really nails it. And that's the kind of thing where if you listen to that, it'll help you understand where parents are at right now. And, and if you get them to listen to that, hopefully they can learn from that as well, or at least read the book. Um, there's some great resources out there to, to make you aware of these trends. Uh, you know, so you can bring the light of the gospel to bear on those things then. That's good. And, and kind of along those lines, too, I remember um, I would just try to make it a practice of reading a parenting book consistently um, to give me wisdom, um, but to also just help me think about the, the lives that the parents were living day to day and the struggles, issues that they were, uh, were dealing with. So that was always really um, helpful. This is good. Again, this is why I love YLT, just getting to hear from different people. We could continue to talk about this, but I want to move us on so we can um, get a few more topics in before lunch. What about just the category of social media? Like if I throw that out there, anything kind of in that area, categories, <laughs> like every hand should just like show up. Okay. So, uh, I actually reached out to Andrew on this a couple months ago. Um, I am struggling with how to handle, uh, there are kids in my youth group, and two in particular who are student leaders, um, and love Jesus, love the gospel, and like, to the point where there's times where they'll, one of them will text me and be like, hey, there's this girl that's been coming around, I really want to share Jesus with her, how can, can you help me do that? And like, super on fire, and then you look at her TikTok, 
and um, her art, like, if you talk to her about it, she says, well, I just mouth the word, I didn't say it. And it has the F word, it has the sexual terms, and she's making the dance motions, and like, especially her being a female, um, like, how do I address that? She quoted a song that said, uh, sorry, maybe this is crude, but like, how that dictates, like, how am I supposed to go up to her and be like, hey, you shouldn't quote a song that says that on your TikTok, and then tell, try to tell people who watch that video about Jesus, like, that. it's a little uh, contradictory, um, and so that's my struggle right now, is trying to tell them, but not coming, trying to not come across legalistic and say, and hear them here like, oh, well, if I don't behave this way, then I'm not this or whatever, and so that, that's a huge struggle in my ministry right now. Do you have a woman, a female leader that could speak into that? Um, so my high school team is a lot of people who are pretty new, okay. especially the women, to youth ministry, and so um, I'd rather not throw them as their like, first big thing, like, hey, good luck. Hey, like the fire, here you um, go. They're growing and doing well for what they can handle at the moment, but they're not quite there handling that yet. Hmm. But not just the girls, but even like, talk, like how do I navigate that? Um, and I've talked to a couple of the parents, because parents have brought, the, brought things up to me as well. And they're like, don't tell my kid I showed you their TikTok. And I'm like, it's not private. <laughs> like, you didn't show this to me and I go oh I never would have seen it if you didn't show me like I had already seen it so would a parent come up and show you something along those lines I've had a couple you, yeah and are you like why don't you do something about it, <laughs> it well they're, they're asking they're like is it a parent another parent not of this child or is it no it's of the child okay um, one of them's on staff and they're like I don't like why did they why do they think this is right and then when they did address it, the kid's like, well, I didn't say the word. Mouthed it. Hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're right. All that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, real quick. Yeah, I, please, go. Don't forget that thought because I want you to respond. Mm -hmm. Just show of hands, how many people are dealing with something similar to that kind of category, TikTok mm -hmm. issue? I'm just curious in this room. Tens of few, two, three. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I think it's helpful just in terms of clarity of thought when we approach um, social media and online access that some of the challenges are new and some of them are old, just in a different scope, right? So teenagers have always said stuff like this, but they used to say it at the park and the parents didn't hear and it wasn't online. So it's new in terms of scope, but it's not like at all shocking, yeah. you know what I mean? are at all confusing, are at all, and in some ways, it actually helps sin be revealed. <laughs> like, it's a blessing in that sense. Like, you know, this kid puts on TikTok, then you can have a conversation about it. The kid who's just saying it with friends, you're not able to have that conversation, you know? So, in some ways, I, um, I want to celebrate the opportunities that social media gives us, right? To actually know sides of our kids that we otherwise wouldn't know and then I think it as we move into actually having that conversation it adds one more arrow to to the conversation which is hey that this isn't wise because you're broadcasting this to the entire world so it does add something you need to have to the conversation but most of the conversations are the conversations we've always had to have 
you know, and to try and I think normalize it and just weigh in, weigh into it that way. And I don't know about you, but I'd throw your I'd throw your new woman in. This is how we, this is how we learn, right? This is like this is, you know, is <laughs> it like there's. Just because I don't see how, like, how you as a man are going to go up to a teenage girl and be like, hey, you shouldn't be talking about these sexual things. And you're, like, I feel like coming from a woman, that is just, it's going to be far more effective um, to, you know, to speak, to have that girl talk and speak woman to woman. Like, I can get a girl to open up to me more about the condition of her heart um, and why she might be doing some of those things. You know, she might be battling her own insecurities some body image, some whatever she's dealing with that she might not share with you that she might share with another girl well and maybe too just to nuance that a little bit and again referencing you james uh we were talking about training your leaders i mean what about the two of you together maybe going in and talking to this the student? i know that can be more intimidating but um you're both able to kind of chime in and speak and you can also maybe model one-to-one i, I don't know i mean this is a very sensitive um area for sure especially the, the content you're dealing with um yeah well good I, well i'm just going to say there's multiple levels and layers to this from you know like what are the individual issues that are happening here or developmentally where is this young lady how does she feel in her social group having sensitivity to the fact that kids are now navigating a 24 7 peer group as opposed to having to walk the halls of a school for six hours and then getting some reprieve by going home and being disconnected like your parents were in the old days, um, you know, and, and have built some resilience that way. You know, James is right. I mean, this is, we all played on this playground and we all did this to, at some level. You know, we were duplicitous. But I think one of the big things right now, and I really lament this, this is, and I'm seeing this more and more in our youth ministry world, uh, in the culture in general, in the church culture in general, is what we would call a disintegration of faith into all of life, where basically we are seeing, I'm going to talk about this later, but we're seeing the gospel and we're treating the gospel, we're ministering the gospel as an entry strategy and as an exit strategy. Come to Jesus, go to heaven. And, and, and there's nothing in between here that's related to the hope that we have in the future of final restoration or an understanding of what we were made for when we understand what was going on in the garden and creation, you know, the shalom that existed there. And so it's, it's not, it, 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 it's trying to get kids to see that faith speaks to all of life and the church has not done a good job of that. I think those of us in reformed churches, I think we're uniquely positioned because of our theology to address this in powerful ways. Um, because when I talk to others who are not a Reformed Church, this is a foreign notion to them. And when we talk, I talk to youth workers now, long-term youth workers, about, you know, well, you know, the gospel says something about social media. The gospel says something about sexuality. The gospel says sexuality, something about gender. I hear youth workers literally saying, I don't want to address those things because that will push kids away. All I want to do is introduce them to Jesus. And we never even get beyond introducing kids to Jesus, to the process of sanctification, or in Jesus's, you know, his encounter with the woman, you know, neither will I condemn you, but now go and sin no more, you know. So Jesus doesn't say to us, you know, Jesus does say to us, come as you are, but he never says stay as you are. And, and this is where, again, I'll say what a great opportunity that you're seeing this, because now you have an opportunity to speak to something 
that by and large, I think the generation of parents that we're dealing with weren't trained with well. Uh, Christian parents. People don't understand, you know, integration. So, you know, a couple things I would say to you, you know, like after this, after lunch, I'm going to talk about how to get kids to think critically and Christianly about marketing. Well, what's shaping the way they think? Four to 10,000 marketing messages they see every day. They tell them this is, this is what you have to do, this is what you have to look like, this is who you have to be, if you're gonna be accepted, if you're gonna be popular, if you're gonna attract any attention, if you're gonna get likes, if you're gonna get follows, if you're gonna get shares, all of that. And um, if we can teach kids to go to those things and think about them before they influence them, you know, if we can influence their thinking about the influences in their lives and see how the gospel speaks to that. And that's a process. It starts to undo that, you know, over time. And, and I know we're all the same in this room. We want to push a button, flip a switch, take a pill, be fixed, see our kids get fixed. I know as a dad, I just want to say what needs to be and then look at me and go, Dad, that was brilliant. Um, you just changed my life. It doesn't happen that way, you know. And so this is, this is a process. So, again, I would say, I, I echo with that. Be, be, be glad that you're seeing that. Um, it's disappointing and it makes you grieve. Think about Paul when he went into Athens. He was greatly disturbed by what he saw. Uh, but that helped him know um, uh, how to preach the Jesus and the resurrection to those people. Uh, because of where they were at. So, you know, see it that way. And I do think, you know, address it. You can address it in a large group as you speak to the overarching issue, but then get and constantly be teaching to that. I think everything we talk about has to be from the standpoint of integration and then how the gospel affects all of life. But then get those key women who can speak into that young person's life. And, that, and that'll take, you know, that'll take time in the context of relationship. But that's, you know, that's discipleship. That's spiritual formation. That's growth. That's, you know, the difficult process of sanctification. Yeah, and just on, on that, that, an internal discipline that's really helped me is just to remember, like, in ministry, um, we're, problems are our, our playground, right? When things blow up, we run toward that. Like that that's why we're here. These are opportunities to us, right? And trying to frame it that way is so helpful because rather than like, I've got this kid in my youth group and she's saying these things and broadcasting the entire world, like what is, you know, like, uh, and when, you know, when, when these sort of problems come up, to the extent that we can really frame them um, as, <coughs> as the reason we're here, you know, as the opportunities we now have to go and, and bring Jesus into those places. It doesn't necessarily help you know exactly what to do, but it really does change how you feel about it. From a feeling of like, ugh, stress, to a kind of feeling of, okay, <laughs> let's see what happens next, you know? With this, I think of staff, individualized staffing. When I form a shepherding team, I base it on the individual and the what, what we're shepherding about. So you might not have a specific female leader in your leader group that's going to be the right person for that specific item with that specific person. But there's somebody in your church that might have that relationship. So just because they're not a leader, you may want to pull somebody else in as well. So look at that kind of option 
Um, because matching the right person for the problem or the right individual sometimes is always confusing. That's good. Any other thoughts on this, comments? So I kind of go back and forth on whether or not I should be on some of these social media outlets for my own protection, especially as a single man. Um, so I don't have a Snapchat, and I'm not on TikTok, and I would just love to hear group consensus on, consensus on how I should be where my students are. It's a really good question. I would, I would really encourage you to be um, unreasonable about your integrity. Because without that, like, ministry is done, you know? Um, and so I think there's be all sorts of, like, helpful things if, you know, I was able to engage in this, that, or the next thing, but I'm just too immature, too. And so I don't. And just try and have you, you know what I mean. I, I don't think you can take that too seriously. No, Leah, keeps raising her hand. Yeah, I think that um, I just want to affirm your decision. Like, I think it is very wise to not um, be on Snapchat or like, like I have a Snapchat and I'm friends with girls, but not with guys. I think especially in the single man's like, you should not be friends on Snapchat with your high school girl students. Or middle school girls, like, I think that's very wise. Um, just because, like, even to, like, see their stories, like, there's just, because Snapchat is so, like, ambiguous. Um, and they can be sent without, you know, they can claim that something was sent. Um, I think for me, like, I don't understand TikTok at all. And I go and I sometimes watch stuff and I'll, like, or I'll, like, look at other, you know, venues. That's not the one. Maybe this. Venues to see, like, oh, these are the popular things on TikTok, so there's some dance. It's like the renegade dance, and I have no idea how to do it. And I'm okay, like, making jokes about how not cool <coughs> it is, and then I have no idea how to do the dance and whatever. Like, I think it's okay to, like, be informed about it, but also to not be, like, the most up on things. Like, yeah. kids need us to love them, and part of loving them means that, like, we're interested in their world, but I don't think it means that we're, like, so cool, we know everything about all the stuff. 
I think going off of that too, we've noticed with some of our kids, like whether it's for good reasons or bad reasons, they'll have multiple profiles. Yeah. And so they have their Instagram spam profile and this profile. And so even if you are friends with the one that they let you be friends with because their mom's also friends with that Instagram page, yeah. it doesn't mean that you're friends with their secret hidden one too. And so I think like making sure that what your social media is is beyond reproach and you wouldn't be blushing if someone saw what you liked or commented on or whatever. I think that's kind of the biggest thing is just being the example of like, I can still have social media and I can still post a funny meme and you guys will like it and it's, you know, but, <coughs> but at the end of the day, like, unlike with, I think TikTok and Snapchat is a different beast in itself, but with other social media, like they're only gonna let you see what they want you to see at this point. Yeah, the success we've had is we've actually been intentional in, in having conversations with our kids about social media and how, and actually not instead of kicking it and saying how bad it is, saying what a great opportunity is mm -hmm. to connect with um, so many peers and people who don't know Christ. We have like one young lady, she takes really simple, the Bible app has the verse of the day. She takes that and then she recreates it on her story a little bit, looks a lot better than what the Bible app puts out. Um, and I don't know how long it takes her every day, but she posts it every morning. I'm sure like when her bus ride to school or something. And every time I like I hit the little fire button, I hit the like this is awesome button, and and I always pop that into it. And I noticed that 57 people saw it. You know, we don't have 57 kids in our youth group, so it's not just the youth group kids. You know, and she's interacting with it in a really kind of cool way. Well, she doesn't, I don't have TikTok. She like so. pulls TikTok off onto Instagram and does like it's really cool to see like you know she could be doing other things too and like we might not know that but she is taking good steps it seems. Yeah, I think that came from being very intentional in, in actually saying how social media can be good and can be used as a way to witness to your friends and to sh to live out your faith you know um, so we've enjoyed that. I was going to say you know it's here to stay. And part of your discipleship needs to be to help them integrate faith into that area of life. Who knows what's going to be there in five years? So we need to teach them now. You know, you're going to be an adult. You're going to live in a digital world. You're going to parent children if God blesses you with children in a, in a digital world. Uh, again, our parents, my generation of parents, we didn't have that opportunity. All of a sudden, this thing showed up, you know. And, um, you know, that's, that's the difference between digital immigrants and digital natives. And... We're a little, little handcuffed if we're older, but, you know, as we've wrestled through that at CPYU, one of the things I would say to you is to train your students, we call it take a purposeful pause, because you know adolescents are impulsive, you know where they're at developmentally, decision-making, impulse control is kind of the last thing on their mind, if it's even in there, you know, if the frontal lobe's not fully formed, and that, that's by God's design, I get it. And, you know, you have these tools at a time when you're very impulsive. I just thank God that I didn't have this stuff when I was a teenager. Because I'd be in prison right now, really, probably. Um, that for multiple other reasons, too. But, um, you know, so that purposeful pause where you stop and you think, and basically what you're, 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 you're doing is you're saying, how, how can I best bring glory to God? At, at its base, you say, how can I best bring glory to God and not to myself? Because social media is really a playground for pride and indulging our pride. And we want to teach our kids how to use it to bring honor and glory to God rather than to themselves. So I think, I don't know if it's out there, but I, we have a little handout you can find in our Digital Kids Initiative. You can give to parents, you can walk through it with kids. We're actually going to put it in a book uh, in the next couple of months um, You know that you could 
use with kids. But I think those are those are skills, you know, and like integrity. I mean, just that pause for me. There's a lot of things that I might put up that I'll, you know, I'll pull back on, you know, even you know, just with humor. You want to use your humor appropriately, and uh, it's so easy to do it inappropriately. But um, there's great ways to use it. I heard a podcast, it was Russell Moore's Signpost podcast, if any of y'all have heard of that, but um, he had David Murray on there just a couple weeks ago, and he was actually talking about some of the content from his book, Reset. <clears throat> if y'all heard of that, I know we've referenced it a lot. It's, it's out there on the book table. I definitely recommend to get that, but they were just talking about just <coughs> exhaustion in life and all that, and as they were having that discussion, they said, you know, it's so often as you're talking to people and they're just worn out, exhausted, social media quickly comes up. And, you know, there is a definite correlation and just so many statistics now are coming out from Gene Twangy's research and then the Coddling of the American Mind, that book, where it's just fairly uh, definitive that this, it's really harming our students. I know it seems like an obvious thing. And, and I was going to say w one thing is I think it is important for us to encourage our students to, to say, listen, Social media might not be for you, that everyone's temperament, personality is different. Some people can get on platforms and not struggle like this person. And so just to let students know nothing's wrong with you if you're just, you know, struggling on this social media platform and you just feel like you cannot handle it. Um, I've removed a lot in my own life. I just, you know, it was not good for my own heart in so many ways, and so I'm very sporadically on it. Um, there's just, there's a lot of... And this is the, the most obvious statement you'll hear this week, but there's a lot of bad stuff on social media, and it's just really doing a lot of damage that I think we're not really stopping and, and being a little uh, more outspoken and firm on as believers uh, to caution our students on. So, I don't know, I think we've got to start having some of those conversations. You I just say real quick, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, we're called to live counterculturally to teach our students to do that. And um, one of the things that you can do that they may not experience in any other way is find an hour a week, find a weekend every six months, even go so far as to say a week every year where you challenge them and you, you're involved with them as well. Just shut down. Put the, put the crazy thing away. Because what, what's, they've never experienced life without that. So it's like they've been, I say, they've been eating cheap, fatty hamburger their whole lives. They don't want to get rid of it. You know, I could never live without that. But then you take it away, and now they now they experience filet. And it's like, wow. I know we're youth workers. We've never had filet because we can't afford it. But um, I'm telling you, it's good. I've had it a couple times. But, um, you know, that we did a podcast last week uh, with Donna Freitas. And if you haven't listened to that, she took her college students, and she had them lock up their phones, 22 of them, for one week. Wow. It is, it, it's a great podcast because she's great, and you probably read some of her books, but, um, yeah. Well, I was going to reference that. I'm teaching yeah. an 11th grade Bible class, and it's required that they listen to that. Um, I think on Thursday they've got to sit and listen and take notes. But Donna Freda, she communicated to uh, the student body, if you sign up for this class on the front end, we're taking your phone away for the week, and it signed up quicker than any class. But it's just interesting to hear how they process it. So I would say definitely listen to that. I wanted to mention that before. Andrew, you had your hand up, and then I know we need a break for lunch, right? Yeah, I was just going to, like, looking back on Brian's question, you know, I, I worked in 
TikTok in, into one of my one of my talks, and I said Tic Tac instead, and I didn't realize what I said, but my students erupted in laughter. And that's like, I'm sure that's the thing that they told their parents about that they learned that night. Um, I have an iPhone 5SE. Like I don't like I'm not tech, super tech savvy. Like I do, I have an Instagram, I have a Facebook account, but I think it's also okay to admit that we're going through an awkward dance with these things too, um, and to show our students that. Um, that, yeah, we, we do want to learn, like we're interested in, in what they're about, but we're also saying like there there's a, a healthy side to how we're using this, but there's also, we, we can be unreasonable, right, in, 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 a, in these stances that we're taking. Um, so like for us, we always announce every youth group, like no phones, we don't use phones at youth group because, um, not because we hate phones, like I, I keep my cell phone on me, I say if there's an emergency, I'm willing to communicate, um, but, um, that we benefit when we're not distracted from time with one another. Um, and I think that's something that I preach to myself. And if I'm trying to believe it, I mean, some of the things that I'm preaching and talking about up front, these are things that I can't believe myself, right? So the things that I'm having trouble <coughs> believing myself, I really want my students to also get to. Um, and if we're talking out of that heart, I think that's a, like a pastoral heart too, you know, in a different way, where it's like we don't just have these rules that we can't explain like we're talking about. We have these rules because we know they're good and life-giving. Um, well, thanks for saying that, Andrew. I'm going to break here because it's it's lunch. But just to say, <coughs> these conversations can continue. Well, we're, we're here for another few days, so just continue to discuss, ask questions, um, all that kind of stuff. I'll, I will say this on RWAM's podcast, Parenting Today, which comes out Tuesday and Thursday. Today we started talking about TikTok, and then on Thursday we'll be talking about it as well. So y'all can uh, check out. Some of that might be helpful for you. Let me pray for us, and then we'll, we'll go ahead and leave. Um, Father, we thank you again for this uh, unique time to gather as brothers and sisters and to talk specifically about uh, youth ministry and some of the unique joys and challenges of it. Um, I pray just as um, James gave some perspective that Uh, these problems are opportunities Um, and they're opportunities for us by your grace to communicate grace to our students and parents that you've uh, put in our ministry context so please continue to pour wisdom out upon us uh, with each changing season and new technology and uh, whatever's around the corner Uh, help us to remember always that you're enthroned and none of this is catching you off guard and um, we pray that we would continue to bow the knee to you and then look to you for wisdom. Uh, in your sons ever pray. Amen. Oh, come and buy without money. Oh, come and feast without pay. For the King has opened his banquet hall to the beggar, the outcast, and the slave. Yeah.